It is a Wednesday. You know what that means. We are so thrilled to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on one of our very good friends. It is Joe Bartle from RotoWire, kind enough to join us here on the program each and every week to talk about the latest and greatest in the world of fantasy football. Joe, the time is greatly appreciated. How's your week been so far, man? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Packers decided to give them the season, so so have I. And it's made a, a more cathartic experience for me. Now I can just sit there and uh, mock them, <laughs> because they deserve it. But that's, that's what I needed, and I'm glad the Packers reinforced that idea for me. i got to ask this. How was Halloween with the, the little one involved and now, you and the wife? What Did you guys do anything crazy? What did Halloween look like for you guys? Yeah, so he's only 16 months old. And this was like a, a hot debate at the house. Right. Did we actually go take him to do anything? Because... Really, what this means is Dada has to go ahead and lift the kid around the whole night and walk around and go grab the candy. Cause, and he can't even eat it. So that is the plus. Like, I could get fat off the candy, but I'd have to do all the work by carrying him around and, you know, walk sometimes. So we ultimately decided not to. However, he had a blast at his daycare's uh, Halloween party where they got to paint an apple pouch. And, unfortunately, he got too hungry, so he ate it midway through and they got paint all over himself. That was a win for him. Lost for the parents, but a good time overall. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I need more of these parenting stories. This could be fun each and every week to see how everything's going there. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly provide uh, plenty of analysis in that regard, too, I promise. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk a little bit about football. The trade deadline has come and gone, and everyone wants to know as soon as it expires – uh, the winners for for just team specific needs in terms of achieving the ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl, but also fit then comes into question in regards to fantasy football. So, what was the biggest fantasy football move that happened at the trade deadline? Yeah, this is a unique thing. Uh, for the first time at my tenure at RotoWare, we actually did a podcast live during the trade deadline, at least towards the end of it, so we're recapping it and trying to give the wave wire pickups with the idea that maybe there's going to be some hot information that comes out and you'll be able to capitalize on it, and fantasy managers listing will be able to do it right then and there. Didn't really work out that way. I mean, there were 10 trades, which is a record all-time NFL trade deadline, and I did write a recap overall of the trade deadline from a fancy perspective and outlined a lot of things. So the, the big ones, right, uh, TJ Hawkinson traded the Vikings, Chase Claypool traded the Bears, the unfortunate issue with that is most of the players involved in this equation are already rostered. Like Claypool's at probably 95%. Hawkinson, if he's not at 100%, uh, somebody's doing something wrong at one of the leagues across America. And then a guy like George Pickens, who is probably the biggest beneficiary of a move, not a player being moved, but of a player being traded, not what happens to their team. But he was at 65% rostered as of Yahoo League. So it was a little bit more difficult to be positive. I actually thought uh, fringe running back, so in this case Chase Edmonds, traded to the Broncos, he was probably cuttable last week, and Jeff Wilson traded to the Dolphins, probably cuttable last week, with the two biggest winners. And when it's two fringe running backs that you're like, hey, you know, if everything works out right, they might be an RB2 or a flex play uh, one or two weeks of the season. It's not exactly great. So I thought um, that was kind of the nice part. The, the Niners trading away Jeff Wilson indicates to me that Elijah Mitchell is going to be healthy and relatively soon. That's important because if it was Elijah Mitchell Jeff Wilson and Christian McCaffrey, really it's just CMC that's valuable, and then Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson would cut into each other's targets. Now that there's just one backup running back, I think of it the same way as you would with uh, Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison or Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. You want one of those primetime uh, backup guys, especially for players that get injured a lot, which is Christian McCaffrey. Um, so there was some value there, but otherwise it, you know, it was a little bit tricky. There was It was more of the guys that didn't get traded that I thought had more value. So Kareem Hunt, if Kareem Hunt went to the Rams, for example, I think he would have been like a top 12 
uh, running back at minimum, but even probably better yet than that, or Cam Akers going to a better situation too. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers had gotten anybody at wide receiver, maybe he becomes more fantasy relevant. And each one of those ended up not having a deal that worked out in their favor. So I thought the losers, which were really Kareem Hunt and Aaron Rodgers, uh, were the biggest difference makers of a trade deadline that was so active. Um, and so I, I want to go team by team here, or with at least with a few teams here with you, Joe. And I want to talk about Philadelphia a little bit because obviously the, the league's uh, lone undefeated team. And when you kind of look at their numbers this year, they've been pretty reliant on just three guys in the receiving game, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, and Devontae Smith. And so I take it that uh, those guys have maybe seen even – uh, better value for fantasy owners because they have not kind of looked anywhere. Jalen Hurts is kind of focused on those three guys. And then Miles Sanders, Sanders getting the bulk of running back carries uh, well exceeding anybody else on that roster. So just talk about how heavy the Eagles have been on just three or four position guys and, and what might happen if one of them got hurt down the stretch. Yeah, they really haven't diversified their offense whatsoever, which is good from a fantasy perspective. So a guy like A.J. Brown is about as can't miss, can't can't take out of your lineup as you could possibly get. I don't know if Devonta Smith quite qualifies for that, but there are many instances where you could probably say Devonta Smith is water for two or three, and you'd be happy with his production most weeks in that capacity. Dallas Goddard, given the tight end situation outside of Kelsey and Mark Andrews and George Kittle at times, hasn't been in that same vein where you're probably playing him because there aren't any better options. Um, I don't know. Like if, if, if Miles Sanders got hurt, that would probably be the biggest differential because then you have Kenny Gainwell, who I think is a pretty good talent at the running back position, getting far more of the workload, and he already has proven to be, at least in the NFL, a pretty good red zone guy. So when I'm, whenever I'm looking for, okay, an injury happened, this guy's filling in, I need to see them have roles. For the same reason I thought Tyler Algier was going to be the top pickup once Cordell Patterson went down, it's because he was going to be the bruiser, the goal back, and sure enough, he ends up getting more carries than that, and also has that role. That's, you know, I wanted them more than Caleb Huntley, even though Huntley has been getting plenty of carries in his own right. So that's where I see Kenny Gamewell kind of having value. I'm not sure there is a wide receiver that would be an immediate pickup. Although, if you were to say the Eagles uh, lost A.J. Brown for an extended period of time, wouldn't Odell Beckham be the perfect landing spot in that situation? Like, I mean, we, we've seen the Bills, the Packers, uh, and the Rams, and there was another other team uh, earlier today or yesterday that was reportedly in on Odell Beckham. I mean, that would be a situation that uh, would fit perfectly for him. He wants to be a star player, wants to get paid, uh, and I think a deal like that would make a lot of sense. But I'm not speculatively picking up Odell Beckham on the off chance an Eagles receiver gets hurt. It doesn't work that way. It would be more one of those, uh, if the situation would arise, we then kind of uh, address the interests accordingly. And looking uh, to the top of the AFC at the Bills, who went and acquired running back uh, Naheem Hines from the Colts, uh, does that make him any more uh, fantasy relevant, considering you know they have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in that running back room already? Uh, do you think that makes him more valuable or less valuable? Yeah, this is the one trade that happened while we were live in the podcast, so I probably made a bigger deal out of it because, hey, active trade on a, a new yeah. thing we're trying to do. Uh, and in reality, I'm like kind of taking a step back right in the article. Like, I don't think this really makes much of a difference at all. I mean, the Bills, I, I had said in the article, I, I have not seen a teenager be as thirsty about something as the Bills were thirsty to get a pass-catching running back. You think back to this offseason, they try to sign Gideon McKissick. McKissick ended up spurning him at the last minute. Okay, fine. You draft James Cook in the second round. Well, what are you doing with James Cook? He's not very good. He's not Delvin Cook. Well, okay, that ended up being right, but maybe he could be a pass-catcher. Okay, that hasn't worked either. So now they trade another draft pick to go ahead and get Naheem Hines. At least in this case, 
I think they have solidified that need. My question is, why do they think they need that player or that role? I, I think this offense is already one of the best in the league, and they haven't really incorporated a pass-catching running back. If anything, and you saw this past Sunday night against the Packers, they really could have used a running back who could run out the clock, who could bleed the clock out a little bit more. Singletary, Zach Moss, down with the Colts, uh, James Cook, none of those guys are capable of doing that, and neither is Naheem Hines. So I, I kind of wondered, from a real-life perspective, why were they choosing to do that? From a fantasy perspective, I don't know. Unless Singletary were to get hurt, I think Hines takes over both the carries and catching opportunities. Then you see that work. But in reality, it's, again, kind of like a, a bit more valuable of a backup than Alexander Madison, but probably the same vein as Tony Pollard was before Zeke went hurt. You need to have, you need to have a situation work out in the favor of the injured player for Hines to have any sort of major value. A few more teams to ask you about here. Joe Bartles joining us here on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. Follow RotoWire as well at RotoWire. So uh, we mentioned the Eagles a little bit earlier in our conversation. This week, they've got Thursday Night Football taking on the Houston Texans. Uh, why are the Texans relevant from a fantasy perspective, Joe? What exactly should we be watching with them tomorrow night? Uh, the answer is they're not. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> That's what I thought you would say. Favored. Yeah, the Eagles are favored by 13.5 points, and I thought, uh, looking at that spread, I'm like, man, I think I could still take the Eagles and the points. Um, the, the Texans are without uh, the Michigan product. I'm booking his name right now. Aniko Collins as the water receiver, too. Brandon Cooks is also listed as questionable, of course. There were trade rumors about him being moved, and the Packers and the other teams were interested in him. Uh, the fact that they are listing as questionable with an injury and also personal makes me a little bit worried. And he had some uh, vague tweets after the trade deadline saying he didn't appreciate how the Texans handled this whole situation. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't either, given he's had to suffer through the last three years with Houston and, and kind of be the, the, the good soldier. So I don't know. I, I would. I'm kind of surprised if Brandon Cook. Brandon Cooks ends up playing tomorrow, and if that is the case, if he's not available Thursday, this is going to be an offense that if they score more than 10 points, I'd be shocked. Damian Pierce is their biggest value, uh, and has been really, really good this season since since supplanting uh, Rex Burkhead as the starting running back, probably back in week three, but he is not good enough to be able to take on this Eagles defense, which for for the faults that you guys mentioned with the lack of diversification, I think that is going to be an issue come the playoffs offensively. Their defense is outstanding. If the Eagles are going to make it far in the postseason, and I think they will, it's going to be because their defense is just from top to bottom what we expected a good defense to look like at the beginning of the season. So uh, I think they will handle things against the Texans, and maybe the game gets close because weird Thursday night things happen, uh, but it's not going to be because the Eagles are a bad team and the Texans are good. It's, it's just because fluky things happen in a 17-game season. And Joe, want to look at one of the league's great stars at wide receiver in Cooper Cup, who rolled his ankle on Sunday in their loss against San Francisco. Got Tampa Bay this weekend, and Cup in his career against the Bucks in three games, averaging 121 receiving yards a game. Uh, how confident are you he's going to be able to play this weekend? And if not, who do the Rams turn to? Yeah, can we do this in the PSA for all of the NFL teams across America? Uh, I, I know they are all actively listening to the station, so it's important <laughs> that I'm talking to them right now. Please stop playing talented players in meaningless situations. Rams, you are not going to be scoring 13 points in 35 seconds. There, There is not a 13-point play in Sean McVay's playbook. You can take Cooper Cup out. And I know he said after the fact, oh, yeah, I should have done that. Great. Hindsight. Be, like That's awesome. Be aware in the moment that you guys are not good enough to win by – uh, one point, much less 13 and 35 seconds. Take Cooper Cup out. Now, 
He's injured. Okay, so what do we deal with that? I think he's going to play. You had mentioned the 121-yard average over the three games. Two of those were either postseason games or meaningful ramification ones. I'm not quite positive that applies. Now, the Rams are 3-4, Buccaneers 3-5, right? One of these teams might be out of the playoff contention, whoever loses this contest. There will be importance on both sides of the ball. I just wonder if the Rams can't singularly focus on Cooper Cup again, especially with this type of injury that he's dealing with. I mean, you know, a, a rolled ankle, we don't really know the severity of it. I think Cooper is one of the tougher receivers in the league. He'll play, but how effective he'll be is going to be a different question altogether. Joe Bartle here with us, joining us each and every week on Wednesdays with RotoWire. Again, follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. Joe, we always appreciate your insight in these conversations that we have each and every week. Remind our listeners uh, how they can follow your work and, and all the great things that you guys do in the fantasy world there at RotoWire. Yeah, on Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports. I have the article that I'm referring to again, the trade deadline winners and losers up uh, on Twitter right now. It's also at the main page of RotoWire as well, too. I think that does a pretty good job of just uh, summarizing a lot of what all the action that occurred yesterday if you weren't able to pay attention. We also did discuss in the podcast, too, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, whether we're fantasy football, the Tuesday edition of the show. We do that every Tuesday, breaking out waiver wire pickups mostly, and then Series XM on Fridays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, encourage you guys to listen, tune in. It's been it's been nice. Uh, new hour change. We weren't really sure how that would work as a company, but uh, it's been pretty good from a, a viewership perspective, and I've been seeing a lot more new people ask me questions, which is good, but also means more work for me. I'm fine. Add more work to my plate. I don't care. Love interacting <laughs> with you guys. JD Fantasy Sports on Twitter. We always do appreciate the time, and uh, looking forward to talking next week, Joe. Thanks again. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Have a good day.